Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy Never think about the drop, never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT Show. Many people have said, where's the show? It's like, I've got to watch the football to have a show. Believe it or not, this is actually a sports show. I know there's a lot of other malarkey that goes on. But I've got to watch the football. And there was football on Monday and Tuesday. All right. A little bit of Champions League action in case... Real Madrid do something, but there wasn't anything there. Brian Diaz, what, what a goal. But I didn't have a show on Sunday night because there was Chelsea on Monday night. So I had to watch to see what they were going to do so I could talk about them, you know? If there's big clubs on Monday night, I'm not going to have the podcast on the Monday. Now, a lot of people might say, why don't you just do the show on Sunday night and then just put the Chelsea thing in the Thursday show? And I'd say to that, okay, well, fair enough. You know, these are the decisions we've got to make. But I've had at least 20 people saying, where's the show? Like, I've explained this before. If there's football on the days the podcast voice come out, I've got to watch the football. It, this is largely a football show. Yeah. Like, I'm a Premier League opinionist. That's what I'm doing here. I'm having opinions about the Premier League. I've got to watch the Premier League. What are we doing here? What are we actually doing? So that's why there wasn't a show. People don't want to hear it, though. And you got to give the people what they want. There was a... I even got a voice note. I got two voice notes from female listeners who didn't reply about the Valentine's Day thing. But when the show wasn't out, both of them are going, where's the show? Voice note. Instagram, by the way. They don't reply for the love stuff, but for the show... So we do have more than one female listener on the show, just so that people are clear. They think this is just a dude show, which is crazy. I can't believe ladies listen to this. I wonder what the ladies that listen to the show are thinking. Are they thinking, what world is this guy living in? But, but then again, I don't think I'm unique. You know, Everyone thinks they're so unique. There's 8 billion people in the world. There's surely other people that think like me. There must be. I mean, there's... Between five and 6,000 people a week. So 10,000 listens. So it's 5,000 people a week, let's say, right? 5,000 people, between five and 6,000 people per week listen to the show. What? 200 of those have to think like me? At least. At least. I don't want to say 10%. So let's say 200 of the people that listen to the show have to have the thought, some of the thoughts that I have here. I am wondering what ladies get out of listening to the show but anyway i don't know show's back i'm here i'm alive i'm kicking and well and we're gonna talk man united ten hug um and chelsea are they back are chelsea back talk about that in a little bit they've got man city
coming this weekend. But are Chelsea back? Is Pochettino back? Is Gallagher the new Lampard? Talk a little bit about that and all that. I thought, I, I thought I'd start off on this one this week. Might as well get into the show. So I, I was talking to a rabbi today. And um, that's not a metaphor for anything. The guy is literally a rabbi. He's, he's the second most important rabbi in South Africa. So I don't really know what his proper title is, but I've known this guy forever. And now he's eventually... Now, I want to be clear, I'm not a religious person. But I do like to talk to people with, uh, who I think have wisdom to share. So I've known him for a long time, good guy. And, you know, I've been thinking about myself, not really about myself, but just where I'm going as a person. For a while. So a couple of years ago, I decided to, to start seeking people that I just admire as people, you know, because everyone's like, obviously in my work life, I'm always searching for these people. And I'm quite fortunate that I've had some, some extremely strong influences my whole life, even when I was an absolute, you know, what do the Caucasians say? A malalapai. A malalapai. I don't know if you've ever heard when when white people get around the urban folks say, Oh, that guy's a malalapai. Okay. I speak, speak your language a bit there, brother. You know what I mean? When it's awkward, you know, when old white people get around black people, they don't really know how to conduct themselves. Like, Oh, bro, that's such a malalapai. Brother, that's, I think it's fun. So first of all, never worked on the mines. Maybe my, my, my parents did. Actually, my dad did work on a mine. So (laughs) that's not, (laughs) Although, it, so that that, that 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 analogy doesn't work for me, because my father did work on mines. Um, but even when I was going through the most, I've always had, through my father, strong work influences, you know? So I've always been seeking that. But over the last five or six years, I thought, you know what, what might be nice? I I would like to see what human potential is. And I thought, okay, there's different parts of life, you know, work. And I'm, so in my, in my world, I'm a son, I'm a brother, um, I'm a friend, you know, these are all different dimensions of living. And I thought, one thing I'm not really good at, I got to be honest, I'm not like a super emotional person, you know, and I've always wondered, am I emotionally repressed? Am I just introverted when it comes to that am i just a simple person you know because sometimes it's difficult to know even with those that are close to you because because people are quite challenged by being radically honest like i'm quite i'm quite a radically honest person if i think you're worth the time but i'm never i'm never really holding back like i'm gonna let people know how i feel so that you can let me know how you feel you know but these people that I've been seeking, and this guy in particular, he's, he's an absolute mensch. So I thought it was a good idea to just start asking, like, hey, what, what have people been saying for thousands of years about being a son, about being a brother? You know, um, I'm not married, so, but I do ask a lot to these people that I say are wise about that dimension, because he's, he's married and he's... He's a proper rabbi, this guy's. 
And we were talking today about the subject of love. And I'm like, I don't know if I really believe in love as it's marketed, you know? I've been thinking about it, reading about it. It's a new concept. For those that are interested in this, there's probably people who went to university who listen to this that are smarter than me and understand what the age of romanticism um, brought about in terms of the the dimension of, number one, women and how they receive uh, their position and receive affection and and the expectations that were okay to have. Um, of course, the poets and the writers of the age of romanticism, this was when uh, we're talking really late 17th, um, 18th century here, where the writers started to write literally romantic novels, right? And and imagine where women were, took on sort of dominant dimension in having romantic expectations and for that to be okay and the poetry changed, blah, blah, blah. And life was getting good, um, industrialization, obviously creating a better life for people. And when people have a good life, they can start to think about higher thoughts, blah, blah, blah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We under, we, we all understand this. It's, it's very boring. I, I'm not going to get into it. I'm an idiot. I don't understand these things. But so I was talking to him about the subject of love today. And not because it's Valentine's Day. By the way, it is Valentine's Day as I record this. And it just so happened. I am not a Valentine's Day person. But we were just talking about it because we were talking through a few things. He was asking me some questions about my thoughts on that whole part of life, because he's been asking me a lot about MK. When <laughs> so this is exactly what it sounds like. I do a pretty good. I've been told I do a pretty good South African Jewish accent. This is MK. Are you are you thinking about anything in that department? Hey, how's that going? Are you have you met anyone? <laughs> I'm not going to say his name. No, well, you know, there's. Like, 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 I'm quite private about that, but I mean, we, we, we're very close and we've known each other for a long time. So, so you know, I've met one or two people. Um, I've met two people in the last 12 months where I thought, you know, might be possible. So there's there's some irons in the fire. I said, what you going to do about it, brother? So I, well, I, I don't really know. I'm trying to trying to build a business here. You know, going to be traveling a lot this year. He says, yo, what are you going to do about it? And I thought, oh, it's a good question. Like, what am I going to do about it? I hadn't really thought about that. It's like meeting people, that's one thing. But what are you going to do about it? And I hadn't really thought about that. And we spoke about, and then we got into what is love. And he expressed it from the sort of uh, Judeo-Christian teachings. Um, and we got into it about how he's feeling about his marriage and how it's just getting better and better with time and having kids and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, how he, his, what I quite enjoyed about what he was saying was he's fallen in the romantic sense, more in love with himself as he's become a father and been married longer, just because of viewing this dimension of his life through his, his faith. And I thought, oh, it's a wonderful feeling. It must be a wonderful feeling. And listen, he's a he's a mensch. He he really is a good guy. You know, he's not one of these religious people who's gonna start getting on your back, like. And he he knows that. And also, like he, even if he did that, he knows exactly what my personality is like. Uh, don't don't try that here. Yeah. Good for you if you're religious. Keep keep it moving. Anyway, so I thought that was quite nice, and it was a great conversation to have, man. It was like a great conversation 
to have because I believe love is probably the last thing we've got as human beings because most people are just consuming, right? Like most people are just buying stuff. That's what we've been turned to do. We'll like walk into a shopping mall and buy stuff and then go home and look at more stuff to buy when you've got more money. It's like maybe we could do a bit better than that. And I do, I do believe in love. I do believe in, in certainly feeling part of community, whether that's love or not. I don't believe in love in the romantic sense. You know, you can learn to love people. But feeling part of a community, feeling safe, feeling consistently like people care for you, people have standards for you. I think these are all expressions of what I think is love. You know, people having expectations for you, people being there for you, pe- people holding you to those standards. You know, having expectations and holding people to expectations, uh, these are great things. This is what men, this is what women and men do for each other when they get into a romantic relationship. Like, I have expectations that 60% of the time you will be who you say you are. And if we can do that for long enough, let's have children. Right? That's essentially what's going on, in my mind anyway. And I think it's great. I think it's a wonderful thing. And for those of you who are proponents of it, who have found a romantic partner, are searching for a romantic partner, are seeking friendships, are deepening your friendships, are struggling with your parents, because this can happen. I've been through as well. You know, life's not perfect for anybody. Um, but th- those that are deepening connections with people, I think it's awesome. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it's, it is the one thing that nobody can take away once you've got it, you know. Like money can go and like your cell phone gets old. Can get a you can get a sweet Samsung S24. I see that range is out, but pretty soon it's just a phone, and you can have a Ferrari. Yeah, pretty soon, you know. Like I've had a Range Rover. Yeah, pretty soon it's just a Range Rover, you know. I've had a Patek Philippe. For those of you that are watch people, pretty soon it's just something ticking on your wrist. But the love one, it's it, it can be a lifetime journey, you know. You can keep deepening connections with people. You can keep working on those. And um, and I think that one is, if you can find those, that community can be special. Starting with the romantic, obviously. I, I don't think there's anything better than that. If you can find somebody who will put up with your nonsense and your craziness over an extended period of time, you can't beat that one. I don't think you can beat that one. Then there's the family one. I think family, because family one's tricky because you're kind of forced, you know, like the, your family is your family. If you can find a way to make that work, I think that's the second best one. And then the friendships. Friendships are third best because those are those are amazing. Those are amazing. Good friends will, again, they're, they're, everyone will do all of the same things for you. And, you know, you've got to keep working hard. The garden only grows if you keep watering it. And you've you got to keep... Keep those weeds out, as they say. So shout out to everyone who is trying to spread love. I think that's an important message. Not because it's Valentine's Day. Just because I had that conversation today. For like two hours, by the way. Imagine this guy who's a rabbi. By the way, you know, these rabbis and these religious leaders. is Especially in the Jewish community. Like, I don't really, I don't know any other. I don't talk to anybody else who's religious. But he's got to like counsel People that are married, by the way. like So rabbis in the Jewish community take an incredibly important role. I took like two hours of his day on the phone shooting the breeze here. 
It, what a waste of his time. I've taken away. He probably had another meeting. Like he probably had a marriage that's falling apart that he should be counseling. Guy's shooting the breeze with me. Brother, I've known you for 25 years. What are we doing here? What if the Goldsteins are falling apart? What if the Goldstein marriage is falling apart? All because I needed to have an existential conversation about love and what am I going to do about the about my per, my potential romantic interests? Hey, imagine that. What a time to be alive. Anyway, sort of talk about that because I do like to talk about what I'm going through. Life is good right now. Life is good right now. And today was a good day. Today was a great day, actually. He's such a, he's such a funny guy. He's such a funny guy as well. You know, as we talk about this, he's, he's a bloke's bloke as well. So as we're talking about it, he will bring some humor into it. It was very funny. It was very funny. So keep spreading the love. Keep spreading the love. And if you haven't found any love, hey, listen, I still am who I am. You get the life you deserve, you know. Get the life you deserve. It's not easy. You've got to work hard for it. And here's what I said to him, by the way. I did say this to him. And he said he'll come back to me. I said, I hate, I hate, I will say this. I hate entitled people. Because I was an entitled person in my life. Bit of a spoiled brat, actually. When I say a bit, like full on. Anybody who says they feel like they deserve to be loved. Get out of my face. Anyone who says that. Like children who say they deserve to be loved. There is a movement like that. I've heard children say that. I'm like, that's so vomity. Your role as a child is to make yourself lovable. Like your parents shouldn't be forced to love you. Like I, I, I think it's crazy. Now I'm not a parent, so it's easy for me to say that. Like you shouldn't force parents. Children should make themselves lovable. Like that's what that's a parent's role is get this person to understand. That they, they are, you are nothing as a child. Like, you, you do not contribute to anything to society. As an elder, it's our job to make sure that these people are half decent as they grow. Without expectations. You know? So, I said to him, your thoughts on that? He said, I'll come back to you. Because I'm like, I, I resent people who think they deserve to be loved. You get the life you deserve. Sorry. And, and, and by sorry, I mean, that, though, that them's the breaks. You get the life you deserve. I was talking to someone earlier as well. I was like, you get the body you deserve. She wasn't happy with that, but she was, uh, this is a separate conversation. She said to me, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, losing my confidence a bit because she's a bit of a looker. And I said, yeah, it's because you're slacking on the body a bit. She had a bit of a strong response there. I said, well, you get the body you deserve. Then she did text me back. So you're not wrong. Although on the phone she was upset. So listen, them's the breaks, you know. <laughs> I can, I can say spread love and and still keep it real, folks. I can still keep it. Real. All right, let's get into the show. That's what I wanted to share. That keep spreading the love. It's a great thing. Love, love is the best, whatever it means to you. All right, get into the show. MKT show. MKT at the. Uh, MKT Show is the electronic mail. Otherwise, you can get me on Instagram. Slide in the DMs. MKT Inspires. Slide in the DMs. If you would like a question to be answered on the podcast. Start off with the Proteas. Eh? So they are in currently New Zealand. 
they they got humiliated in the first test. But <laughs> you know the thing about New Zealand pitchers is they're either horrendous or they're a road. Like like there isn't like a competitive pitch in New Zealand. Like oh, this test match is going to the fifth day, and ball and bat competition. It's like they're going to make five hundred, or now both teams got bowled out for two hundred. It's a joke. If New Zealand lose to this Protea, it's the Protea C team essentially. If they lose to this team, they should be sanctioned and they should honestly be made to play tiddlywinks. Like Kane Williamson and his troops, if they lose a test match to South Africa's C team, should not be allowed to play international cricket ever again. Be disgusting. What are we doing? What are we doing? It was so embarrassing. Because it's New Zealand's first team, by the way. None of their players, none of their real players um, are at, like, SA20 or anything. So, I don't know what's going on there. But it's such a joke of a series. I don't know if the Proteas are good or New Zealand are hysterical. I, I don't know what's going on. I, I just don't know what's going on. I don't know why it's even on. Like, what is SA Cricket doing? What are we doing? Why is the series on? Why is it on? Who's it on for? Like, who's watching the Proteus C team versus New Zealand? I haven't even looked at the attendance figures. I'm just like, what a piss take to the consumer. Like, you never have test cricket on, and then when you do put it on, it's a piss take. Like, why do you have the C team playing New Zealand's A team? And yes, there's the economic factors and Usman Kawaja and all these guys have come out about pay and, and whatever. It's like, guys, if you don't want to pay the test cricketers, don't have test cricket. Now, it would upset people like me, but them's the breaks. So what? Business evolves. Like, like this is life. There was a time when I had an iPod. Now, you'd be laughed out of the room with an iPod. You listen to your music on your phone. Right? Like, that's just the way the world goes. Like, sorry. You know what I mean? Like, people drive Teslas now. We have electric cars. Like, stuff changes. It's okay. As I'm upset that Test Cricket isn't respected. But who cares? But don't take the mickey because something that sport sometimes forgets is we pay. The only reason that there's money in the IPL and all these things, and in cricket, is we watch, we pay in our country for DSTV, if you're in Britain, for Sky Sports, for ESPN, if you're in America, for Fox in Australia and America. Like, we, the, the reason they are millionaires, we are the ones paying. Please don't ever get that confused. Like, don't ever think the sportsmen pay for themselves. No, they don't. They're a part of it, sure. But we pay with our eyeballs. So don't take the piss like the consumer pays. You guys are millionaires because of us. Like, let's never get that relationship wrong. You're not millionaires because of yourselves. Like, if they were just brilliant cricketers and nobody watched, like, there's brilliant volleyball players in the world, world-class, incredible volleyball, but nobody watches, so they're not, they're not millionaires. We are the reason they are millionaires. We are the reason... Cricket is a multi-billion dollar industry. Don't take the piss. 
And the thing is, you, you know, you know what it is? They know they've got our hearts. And this is where money can get tricky, right? Like, they know we're going to watch. They know people like me are going to watch the cricket. They know. Like, what am I going to do? Stop watching cricket. Just because it's not the best. Like, I'm not going to watch no cricket. Like, if there's test cricket on and South Africa playing, they know I'll watch. Or they'll know I'll tune in. I'll know, uh, they, they know I'll engage with it. But they're taking the piss. I'm sorry. This is not a test. Literally, it's in the name. This is supposed to be a test of both sides, of all your skills. And they're playing like the C team. Ah, oh, what a joke. I'd love to hear what people have today. MKT inspires. Are you watching New Zealand, South Africa? I mean, obviously, if you're in South Africa, it's impossible if, you, if you're gainfully employed. So it's at midnight till like four in the morning. So, you know, what are we doing? It's, it's an absolute piss take now, and it's enough. It's enough because I've got other stuff to watch. Like, if this carries on, I mean, I already watched the NFL. I, I've already stopped watching a lot of cricket, hey? Like, I watch the NFL now. Like, they respect me. The NFL respects its consumer. The English Premier League respects its consumer. Those are the two things I watch the most of now. Like, tennis, I've stopped watching tennis. They don't care about the consumer. They, they're doing far too much. You know what? I'm not even going to get into tennis. Like, I've just stopped watching. Like, it's become an absolute S-show. It's, it's become an absolute S-show. And they are the biggest... Tennis players are the biggest spoiled brats in the world. Like, Novak Djokovic... And who's a Naomi Osaka. And I can't stand Serena Williams. As much as she's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Too much whinging for, for $40 million a year. Too much whingy, whingy and boohoo me. Nah, nah, nah. Like, they need to... They, the problem with tennis is no one's in control. It's not like UFC, you know. There's a reason why UFC guys don't whinge. And even if they do well, is Dana White's in control. Like, you whinge and you start... You start getting victimy, get out, and it's happening in football a lot. Hey, I'm seeing it in football now. It's coming in, and this happens. Entitlement comes with be, becoming richer and richer, and you, you, you'll see it more and more. This is why Conor McGregor doesn't fight anymore. He's like, I'm rich now. Like, I don't need to be. I, I don't need anyone telling me what to do. That's the thing with people, though. Like, Serena Williams is too rich now. Like, you can't tell her what to say. Novak, you no one's going to tell him what to do. Naomi Osaka, she's a multimillionaire. Like, whatever, I'll just take three years off. And my life's harder than everybody. Like, I can't watch tennis. Like, like, I just cannot stand. If there's one thing I cannot tolerate, it's bratish behavior. Like, gross. So tennis is out for me. Whatever. Get it out of my face. And I like some of these young players. My father's a big tennis guy. So tennis has been in my life for a long time. I, but, but I will not watch it. Like, Roger's gone now. Great, I'm done. The rest of you, no. It's what I love about Roger Federer. No whinging. Like, I'm just carrying on and I'm playing tennis. Right? And my life's not hard. I'm Roger Federer. I'm probably training more than anyone in the history of mankind. And I'm not whinging and making it about my, my politics. Like, nobody cares. Roger, you earn $60 million a year. Get on with it. Hey, Serena, nobody cares. Serena Williams, absolutely nobody cares. Shut up. Naomi Osaka, stop whinging. Novak Djokovic, stop whinging. Nobody cares. You're not a victim in anything. Like, you're entitled to say whatever you want, and then the world is allowed to have a backlash. And Novak just, oh, he's unbearable. Like, he's, he's really turned me off tennis. Like, that whingy, 
oh my God, I can't do anything without being the victim. Oh, what a, what a vomit fest tennis is. Oh, gross. And I love these kids, Azverev, Tsitsipas, but they're all like, they're all ambassadors for like the liberal agenda. Oh, gross. That's why I love the NFL as well. Roger Goodell will tell you, shut up or get out the league. I like that. Get out of the league. And, and football needs to get a hold of it as well. Like these Marcus Rashford, whingy, whingy types, get them out. I don't like that. Get them out. I, I do not like that as a consumer. Get them out. I love LeBron James. He's a bit whingy, whingy. I stopped watching the NBA. The players are in control and they're all super well paid and very whingy. No, thank you. It's not about you going, like, listen, go and play your sport. Pitch up for work. Like, NBA players taking time off. Oh, my God. Uh, so there's a rule in the NBA. You've got to play 65% of the games to be eligible for the awards. And it does matter in the NBA, by the way for something they call a supermax contract. And in, in order to be negotiating for bigger deals, things like MVP, uh, to be an all-star, to get some of these prizes, uh, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, to get some of these prizes affects your, your, the, the size of your contract. And so there was, there was this guy called Joel Embiid, a Cameroonian guy, and he got injured. But I mean, he's injury prone anyway. And now, I mean, he's on like a $200 million deal. So now he won't be eligible for like um, MVP or whatever. And the whinging in the league from players saying he's being forced to play. It's like, brother, the reason Adam Silver has to force you to play is that you guys don't play. Kawhi Leonard and these guys take too much time off. And then you whinge. And then you know what? Adam Silver has to go negotiate with the, the networks, right? And the networks go, nah, we, we, we'll take 20% off the revenue, right, and off the TV rights because your star players don't play. So what are we advertising around when Kawhi Leonard is playing? Kawhi Leonard has never played over 62 games in a season. Like, what are we doing? For those who don't know, it's 82 games in an NBA season. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So I, I don't like that. NBA, I'm up. Anyway, so... Don't take the piss with the consumers. Like, people work too hard. People work too hard. I don't know what people think. Anyway, um, for the greatest, second greatest league in the world, the NFL, Super Bowl, Mahomes, he's got his third title. Yes, I woke up, watched it. Um, third Super Bowl. Uh, incredible. Just incredible. Absolutely incredible. What he isn't, though, is Tom Brady. You know, in a parity sport, to get seven... Seven in a parity sport. Do you understand? Patrick Mahomes would have to... That was over 20 years. You know why Tom Brady is still better? Is the quarterback now, if you don't watch the NFL, is so protected, the game, because the NFL had to pay a billion dollars, literally a billion dollars out for a court ruling in America for CTE, which is essentially brain damage um, for players that took them to court and won. So what they've done now is they've made a lot, they've made although football is still an incredibly violent game, but they've they've restricted a lot of the violence in terms of where and when you can hit. Uh, the quarterback obviously is the guy who is the money, right? Quality quarterback play makes the games good, so you want to protect the quarterback. So 
you really can't be doing what they used to do to the quarterbacks. My, oh, the violence was unadulterated back in the day. And I'm talking like five years ago. Five years ago and backwards. I mean, in the noughties and the 90s and the 80s. Oh, Brian Urlacher. These, like, I've watched the, the NFL since I was young. I just loved, like, like Ray Lewis, you know? Like the great running back, Marion Barber, who got into the, the Hall of Fame. Like, these guys are violent human beings. Like, I like that kind of stuff. I, God, I love the NFL. I, I like violent sport like that. I don't like the UFC for another reason. But I, I love, like, I like brutish stuff in that sense. I like controlled violence, you know? Like, I, I'm, I'm a knucklehead. I'm a knucklehead. I do love the NFL. Although, I do think there's some artistry to it, and I love the tactics. But I just love, it's like, phew, those guys are alpha athletes, and someone's getting hurt. But, but they've taken that out, largely speaking, you know? There's hitting zones now. You can't just be tackling guys to the head. You can't, back in the day, you couldn't go over the middle. Now, tight ends dominate the middle of the field, blah, 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 if you don't watch the NFL. But Patrick Mahomes, three Super Bowl titles, this guy is, he's it. He's the new Brady. He's a good guy as well. You know, what I love, and I've always said this, I said it about Paul Pogba years ago. And I think Jaden Sancho doesn't get it. I don't think Marcus Rashford understands it. You don't get paid for your talent. Patrick Mahomes is clearly talented. He's, he's an all-time generational talent. There's all sorts of talk of whether he might be the most talented quarterback ever that people have ever seen. But that's not what's unique about him. You know, before the Super Bowl, his father got arrested for drinking and driving. His wife is a big personality. So she's in the media uh, and there's a lot of blowback uh, around her. You know, Taylor Swift is dating one of his teammates. And football is, people like me watch football. These knuckleheads where, like, I, I don't really care about Taylor Swift. Like, for me, I who cares? Like, she's awesome. She's a brilliant entertainer. I don't listen to that kind of music. I don't know a single Taylor Swift song. But football is quite a, like a, a knucklehead sport. It's like a knucklehead sport. I'm a knucklehead. Like, I, idiots like me. It's like, dude, I just want to watch football. I'm a guy's guy. Like, like I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a highly sophisticated person. I'm not the kind of person I would imagine most people want to take around their family and have high-level conversations. I'm just like, is the football on? You know, and obviously that kind of man more and more is being marginalized. So, but that kind of man still wants to watch football. So there's been a lot of blowback around Taylor Swift being a part of it. And, and for me, from a business point of view, man, the NFL gets it. She's the biggest entertainer in the world. It's the biggest entertainment in America. It's the biggest entertainment market in the world. NFL is king. It is the greatest story in America. Over 200 million people watch the Super Bowl. I mean, th those kinds of numbers are just hysterical. CBS got 125 million people in America. 125 million. The biggest Game of Thrones episodes, right, used to get 10 million people at the height of it. And, and that was like three or four of the episodes. I mean, the really big ones were getting, what, six, seven million? The, the Super Bowl got 125 million people. The, the Dallas Cowboys got 40 million people in the first round playoffs. The NFL is the king of entertainment in America, right? And that's what makes Patrick Mahomes unique. Taylor Swift, his wife is a handful. Or, or, or you know, it's his wife, so he's probably used to her, but 
she is a public figure and she's you know she doesn't she doesn't mind seeking the limelight he, he's clearly comfortable with it but the way he manages it and i always say these these great superstars they don't get paid for the talent they get paid for the unique maturity this is what tom brady had the ability to subdue your ego and say what's the bigger picture and then you've got to behave like that you know you see a lot of people fall apart so Patrick, Patrick Mahomes was being asked difficult questions about his father. And his father's been, uh, I believe, caught for a DUI, was it the third time? You know, his father, if you haven't seen him, he's a bit of a hood dude, former um, baseball player. It's Yeah, his, his father's a bit of, he's rough around the edges. You know, he's a, he's, he's a very hood kind of guy. And, you know, the, the, this young man, I'm, you know, if you are his parents, I mean, his dad, listen, you can't be doing DUIs, bro. Come on. But anyway, uh, listen, no, no one's parents are perfect. They must be very proud of him. Just sometimes it's it's not about the fact that he's won three, three Super Bowls. That's the end result. It's like, wow, what a young man. He's got his two kids. He's married. From the perception, again, you never know with people. But his abel- his ability to manage all of these things. Like to manage all of these moving parts and remain calm and deliver when it matters. And then for me, my favorite part is he's just like a CEO in front of the cameras. Because when you have that guy, if you're the Chiefs, you're going... And they, by the way, about three years ago, they paid him half. I believe it was like, was it $600 million? Something like that. And people said, oh my God, that's crazy. And it's like, no, 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 no. When you've got Patrick Mahomes, he's going to make four or five billion dollars for the franchise because the sponsors go, oh, we can get behind that. We See, that's a mature and he's only 28 years old. Okay, so that's another six or seven years of there's a reliable stock. Not only is he brilliant, not only is he going to take your franchise off into the, I mean, in, in all of his seasons that he's played, five AFC Championship games, which is essentially the game before the Super Bowl. Like it does not happen. Five in a row. Four of the last five Super Bowls. One, three. I mean, just outrageous. But the thing about Patrick Mahomes is he's like a CEO and his his wherewithal, his understanding that I am the face of a three, four billion dollar organization. So not only the talent, but the ability to hold it together because you cannot imagine the kind of corporate pressure he's under. The corporate pressure on Patrick Mahomes to be the face of the Kansas City Chiefs right now and a father of two kids and his family. If you haven't seen Quarterback on um, Netflix, go and watch it. I mean, there's just so much happening in this young man's life. I'm unbelievably impressed. Unbelievably impressed. Not at his wins. And it's why Brady's my favorite. Like, the, the, the spectacles I'm wearing right now, Tom Brady, I mean, he's top three of my favorite athletes, along with Tiger Woods and Javier Zanetti. Those are my, those are my big three. But, but Patrick Mahomes is so impressive as a human being. And I'll be honest, he reminds me a lot of my father, you know? Like my father had just had so many pieces like moving and he just always kept his composure. Never at a 10, never at a one, always at a six and a half. Like the, it just felt like my father was always like that. And that's what it feels like with Mahomes. 
Never gets too high, never gets too low. Nothing's incredible, nothing's terrible. Let's just do what we gotta do. I'm the face of the franchise. I'm a dad, I'm a son. Oh, by the way, this guy's brother, Jackson Mahomes, who got caught for forcing himself on a woman a couple of years ago, and he's a bit of a TikTok kid who is not very popular, but he's hard, that's hard work, eh? Like, like, it's hard work, and he's public, this young kid. And by the way, that Jackson Mahomes kid also got arrested. So now there's that on, it's just, it's a lot. But this young man, three Super Bowls, man, you know, sometimes we don't appreciate greatness. We, we, especially now, because we get to see it quite often, these athletes are unbelievable and they're getting better and better. But we got to, we got to appreciate what we had. From Brady to this guy, man, the NFL's lucky. The NFL is so lucky. It is in such good hands. Patrick Mahomes, go your good thing. He's not Brady though. For for more reasons than just the titles. Brady's a whole different animal. Mahomes' next challenge. Can you evolve with winning people? And now what happens when guys get paid? The great thing about the NFL is people have to leave. Because there's a salary cap, right? Chris Jones will want his money. They won't be able to pay him. They won't give him, And you don't give an, uh, uh, an O-lineman, uh, a D-end, defensive end, uh, Chris Jones... You don't give him a third contract. It's like an unwritten rule. They will move him on. He will go and get his last payday somewhere else. And now can Patrick Mahomes, because you have to carry more weight, by the way. When you lose great people in organizations, people often think, oh, it's the talent. No, 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 no. You must remember what great people do is set expectations daily. They set expectations daily. So when Chris Jones leaves, homeboy, uh, Mr. Mr. Swift, uh, Travis Kelsey, he's getting a little older. What happens now? Plus, some of these young guys, we know with young men, when they get paid, the ego starts to go up. Can Patrick Mahomes keep a lid on that? That's what Brady was able to do for three generations or or three iterations um, of the New England Patriots. And then, of course, he went to Tampa Bay and got his seventh. So if Mahomes can get five or six, unbelievable. If he gets seven, then obviously. If Mahomes gets seven, he is better because as a talent, he's better. But Brady as a leader and a, as a CEO and just keeping a lid on things and then the ability to evolve. That is the great challenge. As a man, that's the challenge. Can you evolve in leadership and keep a lid on things on your own ego? By the way, Patrick Mahomes also, will he start to feel himself? Can he keep it going? That's where Brady was incredible. So amazing. Just love Patrick Mahomes. Three Super Bowls. Kansas City must be a, a whole ride to be a fan of that ball club. All right, uh, let's, uh, let's move on to Man United. I, I wanted to hit on this. Uh, Eric Ten Hag, you know, there was a lot of Ten Hag out, Ten Hag this, Ten Hag that. And I think you're starting to see something that he's starting to implement. One of my favorite words is culture. And people overcomplicate this culture thing. All culture is, is repeated behavior. Your repeated behavior, the repeated behavior of the leadership becomes the culture. Like, it's not that complicated. And I know that people bring in culture coaches and make it sound like it's some mystical, ethereal, you know, thing. All culture is, is repeated behavior over an extended period of time. That becomes your culture. However your leadership behaves over an extended period of time is going to be your culture. And Tenag's getting the culture right. Sancho out, Greenwood out, Rashford fined. 
Anthony benched. This is the culture. Like, if you're not going to fit in, get out. That's the culture. We have expectations there. Harry Maguire benched. Okay, you play better, you play. It's about performance here. Nobody cares. (laughs) What do they say? It's about the badge on the front, not the name on the back. And something I've always said, and that I really, I think Man United fans should start to see that Fergie used to do, Mourinho used to do, and Mourinho does, Pep does this, Klopp does this, is what I like about what Ten Hag's doing is he's rewarding high character over talent. Character will always be talent in the long term. Talent might win for you in the short term. But he's rewarding Garnacho, Bruno, Mainu, McTominay. None of those four, I would say, are world class, right? Garnacho's got some, you know, he's, he's, he's a young kid with, with clear ability and confidence. Bruno is obviously, I don't think he's a world class player. I don't think he's very good. But if you're a Man United player, he's a bit of a cult hero. You know, he's got that. He's got that shithousery about him. He's a cult hero. He's the kind of guy who will annoy other people. You, you, you despise him if he's not on your team. You love him if, he, if he's one of yours. He's a, he's a tryhard as well, which matters. Mainu, Mainu I think, is a proper wonder kid. He's a proper wunderkind. Uh, this is a, we got a proper player here. If Man United hang on to him, like, the league's in trouble there. That's a proper, proper Rolls-Royce. That, that's like a proper box-to-box. And Maynou's old school here. He can play box-to-box. They don't exist. They don't make them like that anymore. Technically sublime. Fantastic in the challenge. He's obviously... He's gone in English, so he's got that, that West African frame. He can go box-to-box. And as you saw with his finish, was it against Wolves? I think it was. What a finish. Technically, oh, what a player. He can pass it. You know, he can play intricately. He's got the composure on the ball. He's a proper player. He's 18. So that's a proper player. McTominay is McTominay. Like, he's a try-hard, passion merchant. But he's a high-character guy. These are all high-character guys. Those four are being rewarded with playing time, not because of their talent necessarily. Mainu is starting to show some talent. But but I would say their, their ability to just be football guys. And what he's doing, and if you notice, Bruno never comes off. Because he's a high-character guy. He's a high-character, reliable guy who plays through pain, and he doesn't get injured. He takes it seriously. And that's being rewarded more and more by Eric Ten Hag. Man United are sixth after 24 games, five points off fifth. Remember, with the way the Champions League will evolve next season, fifth place will be a Champions League place next season. It won't be Europa League. So they're only five points off, right, with 14 games to play. And I think the Aston Villa miracle, that bubble has burst. So they may make the Champions League the way they are going now if injuries don't curtail them. Now, you do need talent at this level to get you over the top. Are they maybe too far behind? Are they going to be consistent enough? Will Mainu at his age be able to be consistent enough? Garnacho, you're putting a lot of weight onto Hoyland's shoulders. These are young kids. Can they carry you? Do those kids have to do too much lifting? I mean, really, Man United star player is Garnacho. Like, that's their X factor, right? 
That's who they give the ball to when they need something to happen. It's not Rashford. And let's be honest, Garnacho is better than Rashford. He's got better decision-making. He's clearly more confident. I think he's, he's even more talented than Rashford. He's got a great touch. And he's got a bit of steel. Like, Marcus Rashford's always lacked that. Ronaldo had that. That you've got to have some bastard in you. Like, Marcus Rashford lacks that bastard. You know, when you, when you think of these great players, they've got a little bit of that, like, bastard in them. And, and when I was young in academy football, they called it, you've got to be able to look after yourself out there. Garnacho's got that, you know. He's, he'll have a go. And if you have a go, he, he's not taking a step back. Rashford's a little... Again, I'm biased because, again, I, I'm more attracted to alpha male personalities. And not everybody's that, by the way. But Garnacho has got that. I feel like Garnacho isn't taking a step back. And that confidence of his, it's almost Ronaldo-like. Because what I love, and this is where young players fall apart. It's where Mudrik, I think, has fallen apart a little bit at Chelsea. And it's something he'll have to work on. And, and perhaps it'll develop. Is The great thing about Garnacho is, give it to me again. Even if they kick him, give it to me again. I want to have a go again. I've lost it. It doesn't matter. Give it to me again. That ability to keep taking responsibility. Because one thing Marcus Rashford, when he loses his confidence, does is hide. Again, I'll tell you in football, it's very clear to me. I can see when a player is showing. So in football, when you're showing, it's when you present yourself as open, right? There's showing and there's showing. Like Garnacho is showing. It's like, give me the ball. He's demanding the ball. Some guys, because they know it's on video and the technology is too good now, they'll run as though they're open and, and kind of half-wanted. And, and at that level, the guys know when you're not, you're not properly showing. Garnacho shows, by the way, and he, he's coming short. He's, he's running wide and he's demanding it. You see that, see that fiery personality? Most young people don't have that. You see it with Cole Palmer at Chelsea. He's showing. He's saying, give me the ball. Give it to me. And he gets upset when he doesn't get it. Garnacho's got that. That's character. That's the kind of stuff I think that's being rewarded at Manchester United. And that's called culture. Now Man United have to do the most important thing. Give Ten Hag the keys. Take the power away from the dressing room. Give Ten Hag an extension on his contract at least another four years. And you've got to give him another three years, right? Because you're going to spend another year getting rid of the guys that aren't rowing, that aren't on the boat, right? That are bringing water onto the boat. Get rid of Maguire. You've got to get rid of that. You've got to get Rashford out. You've got to get Anthony out. You've got to get Luke Shaw out. He's injured again, believe it or not. Do you know Luke Shaw's missed 60% of the games Man United that he's been available for since he was there? 60%? Disgusting. And, and that is Luke Shaw's fault, by the way. I'm sorry, not being in shape is your fault. I don't care how talented and athletic he is. And by the way, Luke Shaw is a brilliant player. But the most important uh, ability is availability. And, and that one's self-inflicted. And I blame Reese James as well, by the way. I, 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 it's not because he plays for Man United. Reese James is never in shape. Reese James is never in the right physical condition. And I do blame players for that. I'm sorry, I've been there. I've done this. There is no excuse to not be in physical shape. Some people, you can get injured. But if you're not in physical shape, because that BBW shape, that's self-imposed. That tells me you're not willing to do the work off the field. Like, your off-season's a little too good, my man. 
the conditioning. You're not willing to put in that extra work. And some people have that natural build, right? Like there's a reason Wayne Rooney didn't last too long, was that he was willing to do the work until he was 28. Remember, Wayne Rooney at 28, 29 fell off completely. Like, wow, what happened? At 30, he was finished. Cristiano Ronaldo, 35. You saw, he came back to Man United at what, 37? So still the best player. See, he was one of the best strikers in the league at 37. Reese James and and Luke Shaw, I blame them for that. And I'm I'm I have no empathy for Luke Shaw. I have zero empathy. You cannot be in that shape and expect me to be empathetic for you when you get injured. Like that's self-imposed. I'm sorry. Give yourself the best chance to get away with it. Reese James has that problem as well. Reese James needs to look at himself in the mirror. Along with Luke Shaw. So I would start to think about, can we get Luke Shaw out of here? Because he is one of the best left-backs in the world, by the way. Like, let's be very clear about that. You know, when Luke Shaw's playing, it's a shutdown on that side. He's magnificent, up and down. And for that body size, his physique, his pace is unbelievable. His quality crossing, his positioning. Like, Luke Shaw is just an unbelievable player. He's never available. Same as Reese James. Now, at Chelsea, I wouldn't start thinking about selling your captain. I think there's a little more runway. He's 20, what, 21 years old. But I'd be thinking about getting all of these guys out. I think Ten Hag's the man. If you're Man United, give him an extension now. And uh, you've obviously seen Ineos have bought 25% and they will run the football operations. Be realistic about where you are as a club. Man United aren't winning the league in the next three, four years. But around this man, you can certainly lay down the roots of culture, excellence, the standard. It's not about you. It's about Man United. And you're seeing Jaden Sancho out. You've got to love that if you're a Man United fan. You've got to love that. You've got to love what he's doing. And now you're starting to see the rewards. Year two, right? Man United aren't the most talented squad, but they're starting to win games. That Wolves game was getting tricky, but they went and won it on character. McTominay, last minute. We dig deep. Luke Shaw gets injured. Lindelof's in there. And listen, Pedro Neto was an absolute nightmare for Lindelof. But they were together. They played like a team. And doesn't it feel, if you're a Man United fan, doesn't it feel like there's some cohesion now? Everyone's bought in. Because now what's happening is when everyone's bought in, you start to see Ganacho and Hoyland and the talented guys. The talent will come through, right, when everybody sacrifices. The great teams, your Man Cities, your Chelsea, your Man Uniteds, your, your Arrigo Sachi Milan teams. First you do the ugly work and then you allow Hoyland to flourish, Ganacho to flourish. Right? Dalo, who I, I like a lot, I think he's a modern-day fullback. I don't know why Man United fans don't like him. I'd love him at Chelsea. He's starting to come through. The natural talent will come through when you do the ugly stuff, which is setting that culture, high expectations, and repeatedly buying into the team. And you're starting to see when, when the emperor... Because football has to be a dictatorship, right? I've always said this. The, the most important people at a football club, number one, director of football in the modern day. Number two, the football manager. Number three, the captain. And it must be very clear, the manager is the most important person in football operations, not the dressing room. And when that, that dynamic is lost, which is what Chelsea had a problem with for a long time, United have had this problem for a decade, uh, getting managers fired, then you have a problem. But you see it at Arsenal, you see it at Man City, you saw it at Chelsea before, you saw it at Man United. The manager has to be the number one man at the club. And I think you've got the guy in Eric Ten Hag with a great personality. So he's the man.
You should be very excited as Man United fans if Ineos elects to keep him. But he's only, he's only in, in year two. Will they have the kahunas to say, right, give him the keys. Let's do another, th- let's do another three years of this. Because remember, be- before you can start building, you've got to get rid of all the losers from the past. There's so much losing etiquette in their dressing room. You've got to uproot all of that. These Marcus Rashford, these entitled guys, get them out now. You've got to get them out before you can start building with your guys. And along the way, by the way, you'll get it wrong sometimes. Wan Basaka, you got it wrong, right? That's the thing about signings as well. Everyone thinks, oh, it'll just go perfect. Like, City, got, City have got it wrong lots of times. Calvin Phillips, they got it wrong. Bravo, they got it wrong. Like, but when you have a strong culture, it's okay, you can get one or two wrong. As the great Warren Buffett said was, you're allowed to make mistakes. And my father used to say this all the time. You're allowed to make mistakes. You can't have disasters. You're allowed mistakes along the way in life. What you can't do is have too many disasters. When you have a strong culture, you can live with small mistakes. A Calvin Phillips here and there. A Bravo here and there. You can live with that. With, you know, a Grealish kind of not working out. You can live with that. Because the culture is essentially uh, the rising tide that lifts all ships. So I'd be excited if I'm a Man United fan, man. I didn't see it coming because I didn't think they'd stick with Eric Ten Hag. But the man's a brilliant coach. He's a brilliant culture setter. You, you can see, as Thierry Henry said, I, I see what he's doing. He's cooking. He's cooking. <laughs> it's coming together. If you're a Man United fan, I'd love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires. But I think give him another two years. If you give him another two years to do this, give him another 500 million, right? Because you'll get rid of Lindelof and these guys now. Like he's seen what it is now. He knows what the lay, lay of the land is. Now he's going to say, okay, look here, guys. We've made our mistakes. I thought these guys weren't bored. I thought Sancho, I could fix him. I thought I could fix Rashford. It ain't going to work. It's going to be around Hoyland. It's going to be around Maynou. It's going to be around Bruno. It's going to be around McTominay, right? It's going to be around Delo. It's going to be, we've got a, uh, I like my goalkeeper. Martinez, when he, when he eventually comes back. Like, these are guys I'm going to build around. Everyone else can go. I'm going to build, uh, I don't like Casemiro so much, but he'll build around Casemiro. He's a, he's a big personality. So, excited if you're a Man United fan. Love to hear what, you, what your thoughts are. He's the right guy. Will they give him the time? Because he's not exciting. He's not exciting. And we know in this day and age, young kids, they want exciting. They're entitled. Everybody wants it. Winning is an ugly business, folks. If you want to win, you've got to do the ugly stuff. You've got to have... It's a dictatorship. Football has to be a dictatorship if you want to win. In fact, most environments, if you want to perform at the highest level, have to be a dictatorship. It has to be very clear who's in charge. It has to be very clear. Think of all the... Listen, think of all the teams that have won. Mourinho? Fergie? Pep? None of those guys are your friend. <laughs> I'm talking about the dynasties here. I'm not talking about like a one-off Pellegrini, Mancini vibe. Yeah? And even Mancini. He's no holiday. Ancelotti? He's in charge. Like Conte? He's in charge. There's no, there's no mucking around there. There, there is no mucking around there. There is no I'm your friend. It's all about football and it's all about the manager. Are you on board? Yes. Cool. You're in. Not get out. At that level, there are no life lessons in the English Premier League. We are not teaching life lessons in the English Premier League. We're here to win. At that level. MKT inspires. MKT at the MKT show. 
Um, if you are a United fan, your thoughts. Ten Hag, keep him, let him go. Uh, who would you sign if you're a Man United fan? Your top five signings as Man United fans. And uh, obviously your thoughts. Um, I'd love to hear Man United fans. Your thoughts on Ineos and your hopes on what um, they should invest in moving forward. But, but more importantly, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on Eric Ten Hag. Finish off on this. Um, Chelsea, are they back? If you don't know, I'm a big Chelsea fan. Uh, Chelsea beat Aston Villa in their FA Cup. And then they, they beat Crystal Palace 3-1 in the Premier League. Uh, they are 10th with, after 24 games, 34 points. They are 12 points off the top five, which is Aston Villa in fifth place, which is the Champions League place. Uh, you know, one of the things about young people... And again, I was talking to, I started the show off by telling you I was talking to a friend of mine and I was, you know, I was kind of talking about young people and I'm 37 now. So I am starting to think about my nieces and nephews and, you know, one day I may be a parent and I do think about this stuff quite a lot, you know, like what shaped me and, and I can only see the world through my own eyes. My father was very hard on me, like very, very hard on me, especially with sport. Which is why I think, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Cristiano Ronaldo, but I, I achieved extremely high, especially as a young person. Like up until I was 18, I was really high achiever. Cricket, cricket and football in particular. Rugby, not so much. I mean, I played two years of first team, but, but football and rugby, I really, really was a high achiever. You know, provincial all the way from the age of being 10 until I was 18. So... But that wasn't because I'm some freak talent. Like, I'm not a physically talented person, but I'm a crafter, especially in sport. I was like a hyper grinder, as with most people, right? What you're good at, you'll, you're more like. But my dad, since I was six years old, I was mercilessly pushed. And I'm forever grateful for that. Like, I'm forever grateful for that. Like, and I was saying to the rabbi today, I said to him, why aren't people just hard on their kids? Like, be hard on your kids. They don't know anything else. And we had a bit of an existential conversation about that. And I said to him, look, and this is what I believe about Chelsea. You've got to be tough on young people. And there's a reason for that. I don't just mean like, <laughs> if you've been, you know, if you had a tough childhood. And listen, all parents will project their insecurities onto their children, right? whatever let's be reasonable the older you get the more you realize your parents just do their best but i say you have to be tough on young people you have to be for these two reasons you have to see their characters and then you've got to set the standard right this the, the neuroscience is very clear for children is children need clarity the, the anxiety in children is when there aren't standards and boundaries. That it's very clear. No matter where you go in early childhood. So I'm quite fortunate. My mom is an early, she's got a doctorate in early childhood development as well. She got that a couple of years ago. And we've spoken a lot about this, but they need structure. So the reason you have to be hard on kids is you have to see who they are. So you have to see what their natural character is. How do they respond to pressure, to you yelling, or do you have to be kind? Some, some kids you have to put an arm around. Like, like be hard on them. Set standards for them. You know? And, and don't, like, be unadulterated. And then you've got to set the standards. That's why you're doing it. So you've got to see who they are, and then you set the standard. 
But what you have to be willing to do with young people is you have to expect mistakes and build it into your model. Right? As you're setting these standards, right, you've got to build their capacity for consistency. So you've got to expect mistakes with young people. And then in order for them to grow is you have to build stability because young people need stability. That's why I tell young people who come to me, and I mean, society is in trouble. More and more people are sending people to me for career advice in the media space. And I say, my, my first advice to all of them is don't chase money. Not early. Don't chase money. Find good management. Research who the managers are, the producers are, the executive producers. Who are these people? What's their background? Do people enjoy working with them? Are they good lead- leaders? Do they have a vision? Do they create pathways for you to get promoted? Like for me, I'm big on that. Find good leaders because that's impossible. It's, it's impossible to find. Listen, it's hard to find good leadership. It's impossible to find great leadership. But what those great leaders do is they create stability. Young people need stability to grow. Peter Cech said, Chelsea will only be ready in two years to challenge. Next year, they'll build for top four. And then in two years time, they can attack the title. What you've got to do is keep Poch because the players need to understand who's in charge. Same as Ten Hag. So they're all highly paid. They're on long-term contracts, but there needs to be some standards set. And what Poch will be is hard on them. He will be hard on these players. And it's clear, Madueke messed up, gave away the goal. What happened? Taken off at half time. And he's done it, he's done it a bit to Madueke, which lets me know, I think he has high expectations for him. That's why he treats him like this. A lot of people might say he doesn't trust him. Actually, what he's trying to do is, I expect more of you. He's taken Madueke off. I think it's the third or the second or the third time he's taken him off at half time. It's not because he doesn't trust him. It's because he has high expectations for him and he's showing him, hey, when you don't perform, of all the people, you're such a raw talent. I'm not allowing you to not perform at the standard year and there are clear consequences. That's what young people need. So you've got to make it clear for, for this young Chelsea dressing room is that's the boss. None of you guys run this club. And by the way, we're not going to fire the manager because you guys play badly and you drop your lip. Come through the difficult times, learn to win and lose together. But there is some stability here to say that guy's going to be the boss the whole time. And by the way, if you don't buy in, sorry, you're going to be miserable here. And it's okay to say that to children. You know, this idea that you have to be soft on kids. I, I just, I don't get it. But again, I have to be honest. My father was extremely hard on me. Extremely hard. Like, I listened to how people were brought up. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't realize that was an option, you know. And, and whatever, it shaped me. I'm, I'm eternally grateful for my father, the way he, he treated me because I, I, I like the way I turned out. You know, it's made me extremely resilient. And help me to achieve and reach a level on the sporting field that I could nowhere near have imagined on my own. Nowhere near. I could never have even, I mean, anyway, that's what these young people need. Petrovic is 24. Gusto is 20. Desasi is 25. Caicedo is 22. Enzo is 23. Gallagher is 24. Jackson is 22. Madueki is 21. Palmer is 21. Colwell is 20. And Mudrick is 23. They're babies. These are babies. Peter Cech 
beautifully on Sky Sports on Monday said, what you have to do is allow these young players to learn how to play badly and win. So this is developing that important thing called character, right? And you have to lose together. And it's really like the military model is once you lose, it's got to hurt. And then what you're going to see, you know what's nice is if you're hard on young people, especially in groups, I saw in boarding school, you see the leaders in, in chaos, you allow the leaders to rise. Because part of being hard on young people is not just eliminating those that aren't good enough to be there. But you need to see who can lead environments of chaos. Because part of winning is chaos, by the way. It's not comfortable to win. Having standards is a grind. Who's going to rise out of there? Will Cole will rise out of there? Will Kaiseido? Will Enzo? Who will rise when things aren't going well? To be your Roy Keane. To be your John Terry. To be your Kevin De Bruyne. To be your Ruben Diaz. To be your Vincent Kompany. Who will be these people? Because... By the way, dressing rooms have to run themselves. Now, this dressing room, I mean, it's Thiago Silva, but he, he might even be out of touch. These young guys are going to have to... And by the way, with these young, talented people, I've told the story before about my rugby team in school. You can't pick the leaders. The players pick the leaders. Even if you put a, an armband on Gallagher's arm, just because you make him the captain, he might not be the real captain. The players might listen to Enzo. They might say, no, Colwell's the guy. They know. The players know. Dressing rooms run themselves. Don't know if you've seen Roy Keane's interviews around and his thoughts around this. He said, the dressing room has to run itself. And Fergie questioned him at the end about wanting to be too powerful in the dressing room. And he said, no, absolutely. It's my job to, it's the captain's job to run the dressing room. But these are young babies. None of them know how to do that. And none of the leaders have come through yet if they, if they exist in that dressing room at all. I believe Chelsea will address that. They'll get some 26, 27-year-olds next year who are at the peak of their powers. I see Joshua Kimmich is getting some itchy feet. Now, he, he would probably cost a fortune. Oh, my God, would I love him. I'm hearing rumors about Man United. I said, oh, no. Would I love a Joshua Kimmich, like a grown-up, a natural leader? Oh, he, now he's a 100 million pound midfielder. If Declan Rice is 100 or whatever, I'd be happy to pay 100 million pounds for Joshua Kimmich. I mean, he's getting a bit on now. He's 29, so you probably pay 60, 70 for him, but worth it. Even if the ability is gone, you want the leadership. This is how you win, guys. This is how you come through it. This is how you're professional. So Chelsea are not back. No, they're, they are not back. They're not going to come in the top five. They might win the League Cup. They're still in the FA Cup. Enzo Fernandez is saying they want to win two titles, but... But it's going to be painful. You saw it with Arsenal those first two seasons. You saw it with Man City in their first season. You saw Jurgen Klopp for four seasons. It's going to be painful. It's going to be up and down, especially with young people. But be hard on these kids because they're clearly talented. But you've got to mold them. And you've got to see what they are, what are their characters. And you've got to set the standards. This is Chelsea Football Club. This is not Leicester. Right? We're upset when we lose. And we expect to win. I'd love to hear your thoughts. MKT at the MKT show. Your thoughts on Chelsea. If you're a Chelsea fan, what would you do? For me, keep Poch at least another two seasons. At least, at the very least, he must be kept another two seasons. I'm actually, as a Chelsea fan, I've said this before, I don't want to become Man United where it's a decade of chaos. I don't want to be Arsenal where it's 20 years of no title shot. 
I don't want to become those clubs. Do not become the chaos club that's constantly firing people. Because everybody says, yes, but Roman Abramovich did that. Roman Abramovich is the most unique human force I've ever seen as a sports owner. Because when you read about Roman Abramovich, right, regardless of your thoughts on, his, on the morality of his rise, to go from an orphan to being one of the wealthiest people in the world, no matter how he did it, that kind of character... Do you understand? Like, I lived in Russia, right? For those who don't know, if you listen to the podcast for those times, I lived in Russia for eight months. It's not like the Western world. It's not cushy. There, there is no... <laughs> There is no nanny state there. In order to rise to become Putin's boy from an orphanage in Russia, a country that has been perpetually at war for 2,000 years, you've got to be a different kind of person. So when Roman Abramovich took over Chelsea, do not make the exception the rule. Roman Abramovich is the most unique human I've ever seen in terms of individual force as an owner i've never seen anything like it so he could fire because he was there and it was very clear he was influencing everything and it was unacceptable it was un- and when you've got that kind of person they are so rare they are so rare that kind of person with with that force of personality they are they come they come along once in a generation, Mark Zuckerberg comes along once in a generation, right? Bill Gates is once in a generation. Tim Cook is once, although he's he's not really the guy, right? Like Jobs is the guy. Steve Jobs, there's only been one Steve Jobs. There's only one Elon Musk. Like that kind of person, and I would put Abramovich into that ilk of just force of personality. I'm sure you know people like this in your life where you go, oh my God, I wish I had 10% of that. You know, there's people who walk in a room, for, for better or for worse, the whole room gravitates to them. Or there's people who walk in a room and you might go, oh, not him, not her. And it might have something to do with you. Like, I wish I was like them. I wish I, I, wish I had their confidence. I wish I had their looks. I wish I had their bravado. I wish I was as brave. Roman Abramovich was a force of nature. So don't, that's not the model. That's not how you win. Man United is how you win, you know. Man City's how you win. Stability. Roman Abramovich is an anomaly in the history of sport. Stability is the way to win. And if anything, Roman was quite consistent. I will give you all the resources. <laughs> when you lose, you're out. So he was consistent. He'll give you the rope to either pull yourself up or to hang yourself, for lack of a better analogy. Because in his world, I think... He might have used that actual. He, he might have. He might have taken the f- metaphorical rope and actually used it in the literal world. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. I can't. You know, maybe Roman Abramovich is on a yacht somewhere listening to this. Shout out to Roman. So Chelsea needs stability. Keep Poch. Give him a three-year deal. He's only on a two-year deal now. Give him an, a three-year extension, and set the standard and reset the clock at Chelsea. Love to hear your thoughts. MKT at the MKT Show. Uh, I would love to hear what people have to say. Are you a Chelsea fan? What do you think Chelsea should do? Do you think they've overspent? I think Todd Bully has cleverly spent, bought the young talent, and now he's going to let it develop and cook over the next three, four years. But they have to stay patient. Do not crumble 
to Twitter pressure. All right. Hope you have a good one. We will be back on Monday. I will definitely have a pod on Monday. Ridiculous that people are sending me voice notes in the DMs. Two, two, only female people sending me voice notes, by the way. And I'm, I got strong feedback from everyone. Like, where's the pod? Here's the pod. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell out of here.